0: Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on May 23rd, 2022. Folks, it is now the most stressful time of the year. Moving time. While I'm sure most of you listening either have a house or rent the same property year after year, some of us younger folks are a bit more transient. So I've dealt with scrolling through Zillow. I've dealt with the dozens of tours. And now I'm dealing with doing my best to move out in a timely manner so my friendships with current roommates don't implode on themselves, but that's mostly a result of my hot temper. One more week! But I know you didn't come here to listen to a man use this podcast as his personal rambling forum for any stresses he may encounter. You came here for the latest news and statistics outlining the state of the energy industry. First, we start with commodity pricing. At this point, there is no telling where the price may travel. Seems as if WTI has given us a crazy range somewhere between 95 and 115 and can fall anywhere on any given day. This morning, WTI prices are down a little bit from yesterday to 109, which ain't too bad, but the spread between WTI and Brent has once again widened to about $3, which makes much more sense than the mirrored prices we witnessed last week. Last week's WTI price was high at 115. And I anticipate we could see numbers at least that high again sometimes this week. Natural gas is actually up just a little bit from this morning, about $8.40. This is going to be exciting to watch as it's been hypersensitive to geopolitical news up until this point. Last week, it moved half a dollar in half a day alone. In fact, this morning, it started out below $8, but has been skyrocketing upwards. This highlights just how fragile supply is at international scale. Ultimately, you can expect some crazy price action movement, but I cannot guarantee whether that will be up or down. Next is the rig count. This statistic has been performing well for two years now, and it carries on that tradition today with 14 new rigs for the week, bringing our U.S. total to 728. This is 273 more rigs than we had this time last year. The Permian Basin saw some explosive results with eight new rigs. We've seen a decent amount of mergers and acquisitions lately, so I'm wondering if this is a result of acquired or merged entities putting the pedal to the metal. The next best basin was the Eagleford, with three new rigs, which is huge. The Eagleford struggles to boast the same low lifting costs that the Permian has, but hey, at $100 a barrel, damn near anything is possible. The Haynesville added two, and the Ardmore Woodford added one. The only basin to lose a rig was the Granite Wash, who is now down to a total of three rigs. You can pretty much guess what the state-by-state results reflect, but just in case you didn't know the location of some of those basins, I'll break it down for you. Texas is up 12, Oklahoma is up one, and Louisiana up one. I'm almost worried to see growth this fast. While it's still less than the number of rigs that we had in 2019 total-wise, I do worry that folks may again repeat their mistake of the past where too much comes back we trend right back in the other direction. Still, we are a couple of years out from seeing any of these new holes producing, so not too pressing of an issue. Almost all of these rigs are making hole that is horizontal and targeting oil, which does check out given commodity prices. Another strong rig count, but how are inventories holding up? You could have known the answer to that question if you read the weekly inventory report on www.rarepetro.com. Thirsty Thursday is an absolute delight to read and gets you very well-versed in the world of domestic commodities. If you didn't catch it, here's what you missed. After a few weeks of rather significant builds, it is almost frightening to open the latest inventory report. Even the EIA expected another small build of nearly 1.4 million barrels. Thankfully, we are greeted with a big old draw. The API expected a similar drawdown at 1.5 million, but they too underestimated what the actual results would be. Finally, some good news. Another big draw to balance out these builds we've been seeing. While the trend line for the trajectory of domestic oil inventories appears to be pointing more positively, we are not out of the woods yet. Remember, this is a time where slight builds are to be expected, but we are still far lower than the historical five-year range. While domestic crude inventories continue to decrease, gasoline follows. As Gas Buddy analyst Patrick Hahn puts it, quote, Oil prices continue to go up. Gasoline consumption is up. Inventory is down. Basically, all of the ingredients to push up gas prices are doing just that, end quote. Apparently, this simple equation of supply and demand is still stumping the United States government. According to the latest EIA report, gasoline inventories decreased by a whopping 4.8 million barrels. We haven't seen a drop-off like that since February of 2021. Propane has been pretty much able to take care of itself for the last few months, but distillates are still severely lagging. Fortunately, we witnessed a very small boost in inventories, but that really doesn't mean anything special at this point. Last time Dislitz saw a slight boost in inventories, we witnessed a steady plunge in the following weeks. Things seem to be in purgatory right now before they get incredibly bad or incredibly okay, which really aren't the most reassuring outcomes. But hey, that is all I've got for our statistics. Tight supply, high prices, and lots of new rigs. We've certainly seen worse in the past. It is now time that we get to our news stories. For some really fun analysis and totally unbridled speculation, I urge you to look at our new series that looks at all the craziest headlines in the wacky world of energy. A new episode will be out probably on Wednesday, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Otherwise, I'd like to take a moment to discuss a rather surprising statement released by the IEA. According to the organization, current circumstances are not an excuse to further increase the world's dependence on fossil fuels. The executive director, Faith Byroll, said, We need fossil fuels in the short term, but let's not lock in our future by using the current situation as an excuse to justify some of the investments being done. Time-wise, it doesn't work, and morally, in my view, it doesn't work as well. This greatly contradicts statements from other energy organizations like the EIA, who believes natural gas plays a huge role in the energy transition through 2050. Faith Byroll continued on to say, The best way to protect our people from future price shocks is to invest in as much as possible of this in an accelerated and secure clean energy transition. End quote. To those of us at Rare Petro, that feels like the exact opposite way to avoid ridiculous pricing arrangements surrounding the more unreliable energy systems. As both Saudi Arabia and the UAE have mentioned at this point, the current energy shock is not just a result of Russia's actions but also the persistent levels of low investment in conventional energy. If the current play is to live in squalor for 30 years until the energy systems of tomorrow are forced to function effectively, then perhaps I should be looking to relocate to somewhere where energy is cheap and abundant. People are accustomed to a certain quality of living, and I think in the coming months we will really challenge how comfortable folks are with their lifestyles. In our next story... Poland is voluntarily refusing any energy from Gazprom. That's right, the Yamal-Europe pipeline has been delivering energy to Poland for quite some time, but the country believes it is in their best interest to shut that deal down. The current contract expires at the end of 2022, but Polish oil and gas company claimed in October of last year that it doesn't expect it would be forced to buy gas from Russia past then. That was, of course, before the invasion in Ukraine. Poland says it will be looking to diversify gas supplies and has so far been in negotiations with Qatar and the United States. The United States just hit a seven-week high on natural gas deliveries, but how long can that continue? Qatar has been cited many times as a country that can help alleviate the energy shortage in Europe, but just how effective can they be? Does all the infrastructure exist? I mean, I believe all of this change and these renegotiations are moving too violently and may leave a few parties with their pants down. The energy landscape in Europe keeps evolving every day, and lines are being drawn in the sand between those who crave energy and those who crave righteousness. But that is all we've got this week. Like I mentioned before, plenty of news in this week's episode of the Wacky World of Energy, so be on the lookout. Otherwise, we've got plenty of content at www.rarepetro.com. And we are working out the kinks of a new News Pulse distribution that sort of disseminates articles from a lot of our favorite sources. Lots of big things are in the works. So be on the lookout and please join us for the journey. We'd love to have you along. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro. And until we see you next time, take care, everybody.